0: And you you chose a great day to be in the house of God today, so thank you for coming. Uh, We're super excited about this sermon series. Hold on, I'm gonna save that for later. If I'm praying for you, you'll know I need that for later. We are doing a a, a series that um, kind of uh, God's been kind of stirring on us, and then also uh, Pastor Steve kind of stirring about this whole identity thing. And so I thought we wanted to kind of dive into this this whole message on identity, knowing God was serving some stuff in me, and and so super excited. So the the title of, of this message is going to be, Not What I Do, But Who I Am. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity of joining together in worship and in ministry of the Word. And God, we say thank you. Thank you for joining with us. Man, God, thank you. We say, hey God, we love you, and Lord, we're here today because, God, we want to grow and we want, we want you to speak to us, so we thank you for speaking to your servants, God. God, just uh, God, speak through your word in a powerful way, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, friends, our prayer is that this service will give a revelation of our identity and our identification with Christ so that we can start living like kings and priests and stop living like peasants and sinners. Let me say that again. When we get this revelation of who we are in Christ, we can start living like kings and priests and stop living like peasants and sinners. I have a funny uh, little story I want to share with you. Uh, A while back, uh, our family were gathered together. I think we were watching a movie together. And uh, our, our family, uh, you know, they're a bunch of, bunch of, you know, boneheads and, you know, they're nuts. And so, you know, we crack on each other and stuff. So I don't know, I don't remember the, the full dialogue of the whole aspect. But, uh, but Jubilee, my daughter, she came up and, and, she, and we were talking about being kings and queens and all this other stuff. And she was like, oh, yeah, mom, mom, you're a queen. Dad, you're a king. And then uh, pointing to her brother's. You know, she's like, and I'm a princess, and, 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 and then pointed to uh, youngest to oldest, she, and she was like, uh, prince, prince, and then pointed to Joshua and said, peasant. <laughs> princess, prince, prince, peasant, you know, you're just being silly. But, uh, but all too often, friends, that's, that is how we live. God has called us to be kings and priests, but yet we live like peasants and sinners, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10, it's going to be up on the screen. Let me say this, friends. When you're living like a king, you can do what the Lord has called you to do, but I don't know many peasants that are able to shift and shake the culture. Friends, when you're living as a sinner, you're too you're, you're too consumed with guilt, shame, and all the other stuff that that entraps you with, and you can't live uprightly as a priest. But God has called us to kings and priests. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 and 10 says this. It says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us by your blood. Can I get amen right there? Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Friends, this is the book of Revelation, but let me tell you this. He's not talking about being a king and a priest up in heaven with him. God doesn't need priests up in heaven. God needs kings and priests to be here to do what? To reign on the earth. So when he ramps them and and, and purchases us with his blood, friends, we need to walk as kings and priests. A pastor friend of mine, he told me his redemption story a few days ago and how he was saved out of drugs and alcohol, and, and how he would go to these AA meetings. And, and so he would go to these AA meetings, and, and, he would, and people would stand up and say, Hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, I'm so-and-so, and I'm an alcoholic. And so he stood up and he said, Hi, I'm so-and-so, I was an alcoholic, but now I belong to Jesus. And people would look at him all crazy like, what? But he's like, I'm no longer an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic. Now I belong to God. Friends, it's our identity. The the sad thing is, is that most people still identify with what we once were. We still identify with the thing which we were redeemed from. And so, so we still hold on to, well I was. Now don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having a testimony. We absolutely need a testimony. We defeat Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony and not by loving our lives as to shrink back from death. Don't get me wrong. There's a great I was. But friends, God doesn't want us to live like the I was. He wants to live in the new as the I am. Who we are now created new in Christ Jesus. Are you getting me, friends? But the key is not... That I was, but it is I am. And it's okay to say, I currently struggle with. It's okay to say that. But let's not be so identified with what we was that then we fall back into what we were. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks. See, you can finish it. So is he. So if you're always thinking, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. What do sinners do? Sin. (laughs) <laughs> sin is in sin, sin. <laughs> what do saints do <laughs> they live like a righteous person like jesus do you notice that anytime that that paul when he addressed all of all of the churches did he say to all the sinners did he say to all the sinners saved by grace did he say that uh, to be honest that terminology drives me nuts because he said to all the saints in Philippi, to all the saints in Ephesia, to all the saints in Corinth, he addressed them as what? Saints. Now, I'm going to back up just for a moment so that I can move forward. Okay, now, I'm under, now I understand, you know, if you go to programs and stuff, and I understand the whole taking ownership if you do have a problem, I understand the declarative statement of breaking denial that if you're a, you have a substance abuse or if you're an addict, if you've fallen in that trap, usually what happens is you deny the fact that you have a problem. So I understand the whole terminology of saying I'm this to 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 you acknowledge that you have a problem. I get that. Okay? And I understand that whole philosophy? But I'm not. But I don't agree with with I'm, I'm 30 years still alcoholic. Okay, I don't, I don't agree with, with with that declarative statement. Okay. I agree with I was, but now I am. Okay? Friends, now as a child of God, I'm going to identi- identify myself as a ransomed son and not as my old selfish, sinful nature. Do you get me? I'm going to identify myself as a son that's been ransomed and not continually identifying myself with my selfish, sinful nature. If I continue identifying myself with that, what am I going to continue to give into to you? selfish sinful nature now mind you I'm gonna again I'm gonna preface this okay we can't go around denying our sin, saying I'm a child of God I'm a child of God I'm a child of God and not dealing with our sin no friends deal with it let it die but let's walk and let's be as children of God our new identity needs to be found in Christ say "In in Christ if we have surrendered ourselves to him second uh corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 it says therefore if anyone is in christ say in christ again you notice he didn't say in church that's a good place to be it's a good place to start but he doesn't say everyone who's in church he said anyone who is in christ he is a new creation Old things have passed away behold all things have become new did he say, "Hold on to that old nature. It's going to try to bu- come up on you, and you have to fight, fight it off like you fight the devil"? No, he says, "You're a new creation. You're a new creature." In some translations, "Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new." So let's go into identification, friends. Identification number one. Okay, identification is not what I do. Now, we, now, I know that, that probably it doesn't make for good grammar, because it would probably not what we do, But but I did that on purpose because it needs to be personal, it needs to be intimate. If I say it's not what we do, that's a collective gathering, and many of us identify with others. But for us to truly have an identification of who we are in Christ, we need to understand it's not what I do where I find my identity from. As a child, I don't know how many of you guys, back when you were kids, you used to showcase your talents or showcase your abilities and say, hey, mom, look at me, look what I can do. And, and if you have any children, I'm sure that you've seen that. My four-year-old, Justice, he does that. He says, hey, dad, look at me. And then he does somersaults and cartwheels and jumps off the couch and all this other stuff. He's like, daddy, look at me, look at me, trying to get my attention. As a child, showcasing a talent for somebody to give you a little bit of accolade. But the thing is, is as adults, we can sometimes still have the same attitude. As adults, we can sometimes still have the same thing. We can still want our peers to give us accolades for what we're doing so that we can have an identity in what we do. And let me tell you this, friends. If we find ourselves finding our identity in what we do, then friends, we're going to find ourselves empty. Because what happens when you can't do that anymore? Or what happens when God changes things and now you no longer can do that? How is it that people, they'll be CEOs of companies or they'll be managers or this or that and the other and then they lose their job and they fall into depression? Why? Because their identity was found in what they can offer and what they can do. Not in who they are. Look at me, look at my achievement, look at my profession, look how much money I make, blah, 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 blah. Look at me on Facebook. It's a showcase, isn't it? We've all done it, though. How many of us are guilty? We've all, we've all done it. We've all showcased. Okay, we're just doing it to a much more mature audience, unlike the child who's trying to show off in front of their parents. But it's still the same attitude. My affirmation is what I do or what I've done, my title, my position, what I add to, what I give. So people find their identity in their career choice or their social interest. And friends, let me say this, it's a trap in the body of Christ as well. People find their identity in what they do, what I do for God. Well, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, a worship leader, I'm a prophet. I serve in this ministry, I serve in that. And we do the same thing. We try to find our identity in what we're offering, the kingdom of God. And friends, let me say, it's still the same trap. kind of reminds me of, of, a, of, a, of a story found in Luke chapter 10. But let me say this, friends, if you're task-driven... This can be particularly difficult. Now, let me say this. We need people that are doers. Say doers. Okay? Our task-driven people are the doers. They get stuff done in the body of Christ. Without task-driven people, nothing would get done. So we need the doers. So this reminds me of of an account found in Luke chapter 10. And many of us have heard at the end of, of Luke chapter 10, jesus and his companions and all of his disciples are coming into the town and they're going to come and eat lunch with martha and mary so so martha hurries on home and she does what what any good hostess would do she's going to do what clean up the house start cooking right how many people do that if somebody comes over you're gonna make sure what the house is clean if they're if you're if they're coming over for food, you're gonna make sure all the stuff is prepared in advance, correct? Hello, am I the only one? Oh, some of y'all just let them come over to your house of trash, you don't care, huh? <laughs> no, some people be like, wait outside, hold on. <laughs> I need to clean up. <laughs> wait one sec. But for the most part, if you're a if you're a host, if you're a part of the circle of eight, you you've you got your house clean. Okay, you shove all the toys in the closet. Make sure, right? Come on, you make sure all the, everything's clean, and then you have prepared and you got it ready. So that's what Martha's doing here. Okay? She knows Jesus is coming, all the disciples are coming, so she goes home, and she's being, she's being a good host, making sure so the house is clean, taking care of all the business. She's cooking all the food. So Jesus comes, and all his companions are coming, and they're all having a good time, and she l- figures out that she's doing all the work by herself. So this is what's kind of funny. She's doing all the work by herself, and instead of going to her sister and saying, Hey, sis, you want to help me out? Because this is tough. She goes to Jesus. <laughs> almost like she's tattling on him, on, on her sister. You know what happens? Uh-oh, about to tell the parent. Okay, it's almost like she's telling on her sister, and she goes, Jesus, I'm doing all the work. My sister's sitting here being lazy. Can you please tell her to help me out? That's a Josh Hester rendition. Please tell her to help me out. What did Jesus say? Did Jesus say, you know what? You're right. Hey, Mary, you need to go help her out. There's a lot of dishes that need to be done. You know, he didn't say that at all. He said, Martha, Martha, why are you so worried? Why are you so consumed by all the worries? You need need to step back for a minute. Your sister Mary, she's sitting at my feet. She chose to do the better thing. We're not going to take it from her. What happens when we find ourselves doing things and not spending time at his feet? Friends, we'll find ourselves starting to become bitter. We'll find ourselves starting to grumble and complain. Just like Martha just like is doing here. And friends, the Marthas in the kingdom are the laborers. Okay, And we will always have, if you're a laborer, if you're a Martha in the kingdom, we'll always have to adjust our service after sitting. We'll always have to adjust serving after sitting at his feet. Because when you serve and you don't sit, then you get tired and you get burnt out, and then you're looking and grumbling and complaining, wonder why the body of Christ isn't doing their job, because I'm doing my part and they're not doing their part. But what happens when you sit at his feet And you spend time with Him. And He fills you up. And then you serve out of a full cup. Friends, that's when you can sing and whistle while you work. That's when you can do all the work. And it doesn't matter because you're doing it as unto God. That's when that's when you can actually do some of the stuff that other people aren't doing. And you're glad. Why? Because you're full. But what happens? We're trying to find accolades by doing. And we want people to see us and recognize us. Friends, when you just serve and you don't sit, grumbling is just around the corner. Number two, friends, we need to find our identification, not in just what I do, okay, not in what I do. We need to find our identification in who I am. Who I am. Who I am. It's not about what I can do. How many of us can count to four in here? Raise your hand. We only have like ten people in here that can count to four. Oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, now that you just got made fun of, how many people in here can count to four? <laughs> Great, smart bunch. <laughs> you Count to twelve. <laughs> Do it with me. One, two, three. You're <laughs> <It's> silly. <laughs> Two precedes four, correct? Right, absolutely. So who I am to God will always go before what I can do for him. Two is before four. Two precedes four. Who you are to him is more valuable and important than what you can do for him. Two precedes four. It always precedes four. Our identity needs to be found as a child of God and not as what I can do for Him. Just like the song, the song that many of us sing, I love it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You can go ahead, you can add in your own insert. I'm no longer a slave to... Put that in there. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to... Insert, I'm a child of God. I'm no longer slave to addiction. I'm no longer slave to perversion. I'm no longer slave to depression. I'm no longer being mastered by my emotions. I'm a child of God. Are you getting this? Who are you? Who am I? What a powerful prophetic declarative statement. Not even knowing we're singing this all over the nation. And people are proclaiming, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. What are we we slave to? I'm a child of God. Ephesians chapter chapter 1 verse 5 reiterates this, talking about us being adopted into His family. God's decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gives him great pleasure. Okay, when he brought you into his family, he didn't say, oh, I guess I got to deal with this one. No. <laughs> and when he brought your, your cousin or your uncle, the one that you have a hard time with, into the kingdom, you might have been like, oh, why didn't go to church? But God was like, I have great pleasure bringing them to me. It gives him great pleasure. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. He says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Who says? He said, I will be your pappy. <laughs> Who's your daddy? <laughs> Did he not say? He see, basically just said, "Elbert, I am your father. That's what he said. Bobby, I am your father. That's what he says. He says, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters. Are you getting this? Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. It says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. He calls us his children. See how very much our father loves us. Say he loves me. He loves you, okay? For he calls us, His children, and that is what we are. Hold on here. Er, pause. What's that little little thing right there right after R? Is that a period? That's an exclamation point. So when you're reading, sometimes you don't get the whole full of it when you see an exclamation point. When you're reading that, you don't say, see how very much our Father loves us. How He calls us His children, and that is what we are. No, there's an exclamation point. It's like this. See how very much our Father loves us. For He calls us children. And that is what we are. Are you getting it? Then He says, but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know Him. They don't know Him. So friends, it's not in what we can do It's in who we are, who I am in Him. I'm a child of God. But friends, let me say, it doesn't just stop there. It isn't just stopping us being a child of God. Now let me say, friends, there's no other higher calling or rightful place that we should be. That's the greatest place we could be, is a child of God. He's the Father, and we can be His sons and daughters. He could have said, okay, I'm ransoming you. You're going to be my servants from now on. But no, He said, you're going to be my child. But then he goes above and beyond. Say above and beyond. above and beyond. He goes above and beyond. And he says, Not only are you just my children, but in him we are the righteousness of God. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 21. In him we are royal priesthood. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. In him we are a branch. He is he is uh he is, Uh, The tree were the branches, John chapter 15 and verse 15. In him, we're a friend, we're a friend of God, John chapter 15 and verse 15. In him, we are heirs with Christ, Romans chapter 8 and verse 17. He calls us saints, that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1, Philippians chapter 1 verse 1, Colossians chapter 1 verse 2. In him, we are temples of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. In him, we are new creatures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse uh, 17, in him we are one with the body, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 21, in him we are no longer slaves, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, in him we are blessed with every spiritual blessing, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, in him we're chosen, Ephesians 1 chapter 4, Colossians 3 chapter, uh, verse 12, 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse... Four in him, friends, we're sealed. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. In him, we're seated in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. In him, we're complete. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10. In him, we're raised up. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. In him, we're in the image of God. I need to take a breath there. (sighs) Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, in him we're craftsmanship. We are his workmanship. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, and we're citizens of heaven. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, we are made alive in him. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, friends, we're more than children. We're sons. We're ransomed. We're royal priesthood. We're the righteousness of God. We're heirs with Christ. He loves us. Friends, he's called out to you. He's called out to me. Friends, He has so much for you. He values you. He loves you. He desires you. He, is call- he calls you His beloved. Friends, the Bible says that He has lavished His love on you because He loves you so much. Are you getting the Word of God over your life? It's the truth. Let His Word be true and every man a liar. Come on. Let everything people have said over you be a lie. Because what He says, friends, come on, it rubber stamps it. Come on, it it more than rubber stamps it. Come on, it gold stamps it. No, wait, it more than gold stamps it. It Holy Spirit stamps it. Okay? We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit as a guarantee because He loves us. Come on. Are you getting this? Receive the truth of the Word over your life. Who I am, a child of God and more than. You can walk in this. You can function in this. We don't have to be beat up and busted on the side of the road. Like we hear about this the parable of the Good Samaritan and Pastor Joy says it all the time. You have the two people. You have the one that was beaten and busted on the side of the road and you have the Samaritan and Jesus. He's teaching it to all the religious people. And he's telling them this because Because most of them can't stand Samaritans. But all too often we read that and we look at ourselves and we don't see ourselves as the Samaritan, the one who's going out of his way to take care of the one who's broken and busted. No, we look at ourselves as the one that's broken and busted. But if you are in Christ, you're not broken and busted. He makes you complete. He makes you whole. He fills you up. Come on. You're a new creature. You're a new creature. You're a new creation. Your His craftsmanship, Your His workmanship, You're made alive and complete. Perception is everything, friends. That's why we're called Vision Ministries, because we need to see. Duh. <laughs> we need to see who we are in Christ. There's so many of us who don't know who they are. You say, "Well, I'm saved." Do you really know what that means? Do you really know what that means? You claim that. Are you walking in that? Do you know what that looks like? When you're redeemed, when you're ransomed, when you're full with Him. Friends, if we're new in the faith, press on. Be, as the Bible says, be found in Him, as the Word of the Lord says. But for those of us that are in here that have been doing this journey for quite some time, friends, I have a declarative, prophetic declaration for you. Friends, the Lord is calling us up. Lord wasn't even in the first service and was, when was declaring that. I'm like, she's preaching my message. You know what that does? All that does is reiterate the word of the Lord for this house. Amen. The word of the Lord for your life. He's calling us up. The world is crumbling. It's hurting. It's crying out for a Savior. And we have the answer. There's a movie, it's called Superman Returns, came out maybe about a decade ago or so. I know it wasn't everyone's favorite because for a lot of people, if, you were, if you're a movie person, you know, you either like Christopher Reeves and so you're, you know, kind of partial to that or maybe you like some of the new stuff or maybe you don't like any of it. But uh, my buddy Tony and I were sitting here, we're talking about this and I was reminded of this quote in this movie and uh, yeah, we're, we were movie talking, I know it's kind of what nerds do, you know, you talk about movies and quoting and stuff. So I remember I remember this, I remember this dialogue in this movie. It's, it's, it's so powerful. I mean, it just kind of rips you. So if you know anything about the story of Superman, in the original movie, the one that came out, I think it was like 1978 or whatever, the first one, the the writer has this kind of this, this story that kind of coincides with Jesus. Matter of fact, Superman's father is named Jarrell. L get it? God, Jarrell. And he's front, and he, and what and and the, the narrator at the beginning of the movie says that he sent his one and only son. He sent his son to the earth. Do you see the parallels? Kind of like the, you know the writers of Superman found kind of this. So so this is in the dialogue of, of Superman Returns. And this is this is the dialogue. This is what Lois Lane says. She says, I move on. I moved on. So did the rest of us. That's why I wrote it. She wrote this article and got a Pulitzer Prize. The world doesn't need a Savior, and neither do I. Superman turns to Lois Lane and says, Listen, what do you hear? Lois Lane says, Nothing. Superman says, I hear everything. You wrote that the world doesn't need a Savior, but every day I hear people crying for one. Friends, all of creation groans and waits for the sons of God to be revealed. All of creation groans and waits. The world is crying out for a Savior. And guess what? Friends, the world is crying out in need of Him in a real way, and we are the ambassadors. We are the messengers. Friends, we are the holsters of the glory of God. We're the carriers of His presence. Friends, if 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 the message wasn't to come through us, then when we committed our life to Christ, He would have brought us up to be with Him. But no, friends, we are the carriers, the ambassadors, the holsters of the glory of God. And He needs to do a deep work within us so that we can be deep wells of living water for a world that's dry and thirsty. And then we can say, as Paul said, that I have been poured out like a drink offering. Friends, the Lord wants to use us, that our lives would be poured out. But you can't be poured out if you're not full. Stand to your feet with me, if you will. I'm gonna just say this again because I I shared it first service and I, I believe it's I believe it's right on. Say this with me. Say we live in a fallen world. Okay? So we live in a fallen world that produces fallen messages. Okay. So when you have a fallen world that gives fallen messages, and we listen to the fallen messages, what do you think happens? We fall. We find ourselves empty. So there's all kinds of messages that a falling world is sharing with us. For instance, ladies. Well, if you don't wear this or if you don't look like this, what is it? That's a message, a fallen message that says your identity should be found in your exterior appearance. Let me say this, fallen message. Or if you don't don't live like this, If you don't live like that. Fallen message. If you don't have a career, if you're not making this much money. We're bombarded by fallen messages. And so we have people that are spending themselves and empty on the inside because they're not finding who their true identity is, which is who they are, the way God created them and wants fellowship with them, but by them trying to buy into all these fallen messages let me tell you today your identity is not in what you can offer this world or what you have it's in who you are it's in who you are i pray that your heart would be found in him and let everything else in your life come into alignment when you know your identity in christ jesus let's pray heavenly father we thank you today. God, if we have been out of alignment, perhaps we have found our identity in what we could offer in what we do. Perhaps it's in the degree that we got or, or the position we hold at work or, or whatever that might be. And so we we find a lot of value in that. God, I pray, God, because just as we find value in that, that could be taken away from us and we'll find ourselves empty. God, I pray that we would readjust our value system in our heart, God. That it won't be, be about what we do, but about who we are in you. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, we just, if that's you, if you've done that, just say, God, I'm sorry, I repent. I've allowed my, my priorities to be adjusted slightly. That's okay. You're in a great place. You're in a house of fallen people. We all messed up. We've all made mistakes. Our priorities get out of balance. I myself, and, and I got to come back to align. So just tell him say, God, I'm aligning myself with your word today. Come on. I know you heard the word of the Lord today. It was 25 scriptures of who you are. God, we've heard the word, God, of who we are in you. So, Father, we thank you for, for grabbing hold of our hearts. God, we thank you as sons and daughters. God, help us to be all you've created us to be, to walk in victory, to walk in power, to walk in authority. In the name of Jesus, the Lord's calling out to you. Let him speak prophetically during the next few weeks of identity let him wash you of false identities and let him build that true identity of who you are let him build that strong foundation so you can be unshaken so when people say things about us god we 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 won't be turned to the right or to the left god so that when people talk bad about us it's not about about what people say because we're rooted and grounded our identity is in christ And so when people don't like us on Facebook and they don't like us at work and they they don't like us around the corner, God, or or whatever the case might be, God, that we're not shaken by man's opinions because, God, we're firmly established on who you say we are, God. In the name of Jesus. And I'm going to just say this. I rebuke every lie of the enemy off of every person's life in this house right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I break every lie in the name of Jesus, yes. You're not worthless. You're not stupid. You don't have problems. You're not an idiot. You're His. You're valuable. You're precious. He gives us wisdom, makes us intelligent. Revelation of the word inspires us, equips us, challenges us. Father, we thank you for this alignment, God. And Lord, we just say we love you. Help us to just draw close to be where you're at. Not just today because it's Sunday. But God, I thank you there would be a nearness all the rest of this week as we would meditate on your word. God, I thank you that your word would come alive in us. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen! Amen. Amen. Friends, it's, it's been an honor to be able to be with you today. Thank you so very much for, for, uh, for joining with us. If you're a first or second time guest, make sure you greet Pastor Joy in the back. Also, if you would like prayer for anything, we got some prayer, uh, prayer team that would, that would join with you Maybe you need some personal prayer things. Maybe your family's going through some stuff. You would like someone to to join with you. We would love to do that. If you come up here, we'll love to join and pray with you. Also remember, men, this Saturday, 8 a.m., Hungry Man's Breakfast. Hopefully, we'll see you there. Friends, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Have a great day.